0: Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop School podcast. My name is Nate, with my pod pal Phil. Hello, and welcome. And today we have a very, very special episode. Very excited about it. Talking Brooklyn Nets today. I feel like a team we haven't talked enough about, Phil. I don't know. Like they're, you know, they're one of the most important teams. We have
1: not given them what to do.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They one of the most important teams in the general landscape of the NBA this year. And we have honestly the biggest Nets fan on social media I've seen. It's uh, Sean Matthews. He runs a Twitter page, Shit Nets Fans Say. What's up, Sean? Happy to have you here.
2: Fellas, pleasure to be on with you both. Nate, Phil, thank you for the opportunity and uh, that lovely compliment of being a big fan. And yes, it's true. I am. And uh, I'm enjoying every second of it. And uh, let's chop it up. I'm happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. So, you-
1: what's up, Phil? No, you've just been riding, wanna point out, you've been riding a lot of waves since being a Nets fan for probably the last... I guess like six years, if you really want to include the down, down points, but you got to be feeling good now. Oh yeah, man. I mean, (laughs) I'll be
2: honest with you guys. I, you know, through, through the whole history of this team, the franchise, the down years, and you know, obviously I, I got to look around before I bring this up. Someone's going to probably sigh really quick, but uh, the, the big, Boston Celtics trade which haunted us for years and thinking we would never climb back out of it and you know this is this is huge for you know a guy like myself and other nets fans following so who thought who 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 would have thought you know and here we are and
1: it's a it's a blessing very very exciting time yeah, yeah I- and you guys built in kind of like a modern way i guess where you basically shipped out all your parts come 2017 2018 whatever i guess it was 2018 Yes. And you just had a good team and you were able to pick up two all-stars and then three later on. So do you think that's kind of the better way of going about it? Or do you, would you have preferred to see like a more natural progression Uh, just through the draft? And yeah, you
2: know, that's a great question. Um, And the way, the way you described it, the modern era and the modern time of, of, you know, free agency and getting at least one guy to commit and recruit another couple superstars, you know, Mm You know, how uh, obviously LeBron did with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, obviously the big three there. It's kind of like, how could we follow suit now? That's like the blueprint now for a lot of these teams and general managers, front offices. Um, And I'll tell you something. I was very happy with how Sean Marks was able to find hidden gems, not just through late first-round picks, even second-round picks sometimes. But when you look at Joe Harris, who's really developed, you know, a lot of teams didn't want to really develop him because of his injuries or whatnot. He didn't fit the mold. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, these, these guys are just Mm. uh, guys that are just developing. And, you know, you look at Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and uh, you know, even D'Angelo Russell, God bless him. He was, he, he was the reason the Nets were able to run into this basically with the, you know, the talented point guard from, uh, you know, Ohio state really gave a new meaning to uh, the modern day Nets and that team. And that's special guys, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, this is what Nets fans, you know, dream of, you know, winning and winning and uh, being elite and having a chance. So I'm very happy that we had those times in those down years, but now seeing Kyrie, Kevin Durant, the trade for James Harden, it's what you play for pretty much. And I'm, I'm ready to ride it out. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's a well put for sure. And, Made a good point by bringing up some of those prior pieces that are no longer part of the team, like Karis and Jared Allen. And you know, I kind of I don't want to bring anything back to the Knicks, but Sean, Phil and I are Knicks fans, just to put it on the table in case you don't know from our Twitter page. And Oh, clear things up. No, listen, I, I am I am well aware you guys are very
2: <laughs> very smart Knicks fans, most of them, I might say. Might add. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's no it's no that the Knicks and the Nets were kind of competing for Durant and Kyrie in uh, the offseason of 2019 or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, 2019. And, you know, people look back and they get mad that the Nets beat them out. But, listen, the Nets laid out a team before they got Kyrie, uh, Kyrie and KD, showed it could win, that showed it had a culture where it can develop players, that had pieces in place, and the Knicks at that time were – gutted they had nothing they had a bunch of young pieces that hadn't proven anything so mm-hmm. you can't it, even though you're right it, we are in the era of acquiring superstars you know almost never do you see a team win without like one or two big free agent acquisitions just the way it is but right. before you get you have to have something in place you can't just go zero to 100 you know you have to have a foundation that's go, going to attract players. That's going to make players want to say, okay, I see what they're doing. I can take it to another level.
1: Exactly. So
0: that that's what Brooklyn did started with the D'Angelo Russell deal, which was awesome. When it happened, you know, giving up essentially to, uh, taking on a, a salary dump in miles gov and then taking D'Angelo Ru- Russell's reclamation project. That was great. And then, yeah, find the hidden gem. So it all starts with those little moves and it all leads to what it is today, but Brooklyn, they're in a great situation and we could talk all day about, kind of the trajectory of them as a franchise. It's very interesting, but I'd like to kind of keen on this season because, hey, they are right up there as a title contenders, and we, we kind of got to give them their due right now and talk about what's happening on the So Let's get into that for a second. Uh, right now, Brooklyn Nets, Sean. So, quietly won five games in a row. Quietly won five games in a row. Sit as the number two team in the Eastern Conference. Only one game back or the Philadelphia 76ers, despite, I feel like, a season where, you know, they had a bunch of bad losses, guys are in and out of the lineup, they've barely seen their team altogether. together. But, I mean, this team just wins games because of how talented they are. So I'll kind of give you the floor, Sean, right now. Like, just look at the season from a, a macro perspective, big picture. How happy are you with what you've seen? We you go scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you, you know – how, how much concern do you have or is this just kind of like it's going as smoothly as you would like it to given the changes given what they're dealing with
2: yeah nate so to go back to your question there um how happy i am um i'm gonna put myself from a one to ten like an eight uh because i'll be honest we haven't seen the big three play that many games together yet and i want to build off that chemistry like you said earlier they've been in and out of line, lineups with you know whether it be low managing uh, nagging injuries whatever it may be however I want to see them play together Howe- and also whenever these guys do play you see James Harden James Harden has had a total transformation He's he's not a shoot first kind of guy but when he wants to take over games and be aggressive and score he still has that and he's making his teammates better he's making you know which I've seen Landry Sham, really come around a little bit. You got guys like Bruce Brown playing defense, making those easy bunnies at the rim. Uh, and to be honest, he's making DeAndre Jordan play a little better on offense, to be mm-hmm. honest with you and getting into him is getting him to play a little bit better defense and rebound, uh, which is great. Um, but at the, at the elite level, I'd, I'd like to see the big three play a lot more. And uh, to be at a 10 for me, I'd, I, I want to see it, consistently um and also steve nash i think he is still learning on the go um you know as you see his rotations are kind of i don't know if you anytime you see me tweeting it's about the rotations it's about the feel of the game he takes guys out and guys you know are hitting shots making good defensive stops and he'll take a guy out i like the hot hand and the guy that's getting momentum and rhythm to keep playing Mm -hmm you know, and he's got to learn how to use his timeouts more timely, which he's getting better. He's a, we have to realize that Net fans too, like he's a rookie coach still. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, can this team be a title contender? Absolutely. But will they win? It's going to take a lot, a lot of work still. But uh, I trust the big three. I just want to see them on the floor more.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a, a valid assessment. You know, last year, that's why coming into this season – and this isn't just the Nets. I was expecting to see these star-based teams play their guys more after we saw last year with the Clippers. You know, last year we saw in the regular season, the Clippers, I feel like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played together like less than 15 games. I'm just making that that number up. That probably mm-hmm. isn't true. But it wasn't a lot. I felt like every time I was turning into a Clipper game, one of them was out. And felt that we, way, yeah. Yeah, and When it came to the postseason, you know, I'm not saying this was the reason they lost, but it did seem like the team didn't really have the synergy that they should have had given the talent level. So, listen, like, you don't want to risk injury. If Kevin Durant's feeling some kind of nagging injury, which I I guess he's dealing with right now, uh, a sore hamstring, I believe it is. But whatever it is, like, obviously, you don't want to push him. You know, he is your franchise. Like, I'm not saying, I I don't know exactly what's happening, so I can't say he should be playing. but. Time, I think that teams, when you're in a position like the Nets are, where you're legitimate title contenders, like you have to view this regular season with some kind of value. You know, like you shouldn't just coast through it and think it's a success as long as we make it through healthy. Like this is good, valuable time to get your feet wet when the stakes aren't that high. Because by the time they are super high and you don't have that experience, it might be too late. So great point. I get, I get that, and I would probably agree. Uh, Phil, what's your stance on the whole? You know, getting the guys to play together because in this whole five-game winning streak, they haven't had the big three for a single game, I believe. Because at first Durant was out with the protocol, and now he's out with the sore hamstring. So it's just been the Kyrie Harden show, which has been phenomenal. Because I mean, that's a that's a top offense in itself, which is which is crazy. <laughs> that they're missing their best player, and they still have the best offense. But that just speaks to their ability, which we'll talk about later. But about uh, kind of the team not being at full form. Right now,
1: yeah. I mean, we we knew it was going to happen. KD's coming off an Achilles, and <clears throat> he's going to need time where he needs to sit out. Maybe Kyrie has some. I think he had some shoulder stuff earlier in the season, so we knew there was not going to be like a perfect. They're going to basically go a gauntlet and just run through it all. And honestly, it's for the better because having three options like that, you're pretty much going to defer to it come the fourth quarter, as opposed to getting Joe Harris those reps to get comfortable in his spots and Timothy Luawu getting his spots where he's like become a pretty solid corner shooter and a good defender and the same thing with Bruce Brown. And I mean, even Deandre Jordan, he's got to get ready in his role. So yeah, it's not the best thing short term, but long term, it's definitely where you want to, what
0: you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Let's, uh, let's touch on Nash for a second. Actually, I feel like Nash, I I forget he's the coach sometimes. I don't know. Like we we just talk about the Brooklyn Nets so much, uh, nationally and it's all, I mean, they have three of the biggest names in basketball. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it makes sense to kind of dismiss the coach, but Steve Nash is the head coach of the Nets. And uh, I think we got to talk about it because, you know, they're, they're going to win games. Like the Brooklyn Nets are going to win games. They're going to be in the top four, at least in the East. Even if stuff hits, I think they're going to be a top two or three team. You know, I think that echelon of Bucks, Sixers, Nets is kind of a tier, of everybody in the East Mm-hmm. But regardless of their coach, they're going to win games. This team is too good not to. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, like the coach is going to – when we're kind of splitting hairs between the great teams, you know, like the coach does matter. I mean, he's going to be going up against possibly the Philadelphia 76ers with Doc Rivers, and I know people might have differing opinions of Doc Rivers, but, hey, he's a seasoned coach. Say they make the finals, and I know I'm kind of projecting in the future, but say they make the finals and let's say they play the Lakers. Vogel, I think, is actually pretty underrated. He – Made a good amount of adjustments last year that we don't really like to talk about because mm-hmm. the coach never gets the credit with LeBron James. But I mean, like, there's a lot of coaches around the league that I think have impacts on their team. Do you see Nash being a positive and helping his team at the end? Like, have you seen any inklings of that? Because listen, you can only, you, this team's going to have a, they're going to sleep well. It's offense in the NBA. Like, they're just too good not to. But right. those little adjustments, you know, rotationally, and maybe even tonight we saw, I watched Raptors-Bucks, and Nick Nurse just put a defense together on Giannis that just flummoxed them. And, I mean, the Raptors... Less talent than the Bucks, but Nurse put together a game plan that just took Milwaukee completely out of their stuff. And I'm not saying Nash is going to be Nurse, but do you see him being an asset to this team when push comes to su- shove in the postseason? Like, have you seen anything that would make you think he could be that
2: um that's a very in-depth question and uh you're absolutely right we have to turn our heads and look at the head coach because of his honestly because of his name too because he's a, he was a, an elite nba player people say that he has a mind for the game um which he does obviously um he's one of the best point guards that we've mm. seen probably um you know and don't take that you know too great because there's a whole bunch of point guards that are probably better than him, too. But, yeah, he's going to have to, you know, really adjust. And people are going to have to buy in. And when I say people, I mean Kyrie yeah. Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden. And yep. they're going to have to want to be coached. And, obviously, Kevin Durant has a relationship with Steve Nash, obviously. Um, but I look at his coaching staff as well. Uh, Jack Vaughn mm-hmm. did a very good job with this team when Kenny Atkinson has departed. Um, Udoka, also a great mind. And, you know, Mike D'Antoni's the, you know, he's, he, he's yeah. believe it or not, he's he's been around the block. He's, you know, he's been in playoff series. He's coached yep. James Harden. He's coached, he's been on the Olympic teams. Um, but the one thing about Nash is the adjustments and the rotations and the nuances of specialist players like he has Bruce Brown who can mm-hmm. play defense. He has a numerous amount of shooters in Joe Harris, Landry Shamet. Uh we mentioned TLC a little bit when he is hitting shots, I guess cuz I'm not a big fan of him, but that's another that's another story for a big another day. But <laughs> Tyler Johnson is even coming around. Mm-hmm. And people forget Tyler Johnson was a very good player in his Miami and Phoenix days and you know, he's pretty good offensively, can make a stop here or two on defense. Um But Nash has to understand the flow and the, the like you said with Nick Nurse, he has to develop strategies and, uh, you know, functions of guys who can make plays at the right time in the right spots. Can he do that? Yes. Will it take time? Yes. Now this is why you do it during the season. And I don't know if you guys saw either when uh, the Nets had a, a game a few weeks ago. When uh, James Harden hit Jeff Green on like a touchdown pass down the floor for a layup, and uh, yeah, yeah, Nash yeah, told him to, to leak that, out, yeah, something like that. Like you know, it, it's small, but it's something that can build off, and you would be like, "Oh wow, look at this go down." You know, mm-hmm. it's something we see, and if he can keep creating those little tidbits of information and pass along to guys, and, and like he said too, this season is our training camp a long time ago, which I fully understand. Yeah. And get. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to take time and it's, we're seeing the progression now. And I think it's going to be a long season for them to actually really you know, hit the nail on the head. And uh, I think he's ready for it. And I uh, just hope the Nets are.
1: Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you on the yeah, part we were talking bro. about buying in. Yeah, sorry. Um, just because that was a point I was going to make where one of the biggest things for Nash I mean, for this season, for going on for being the Nets however long he's the coach is definitely having that buy-in factor right. and i think we have he has that especially early on because kyrie and kd were in a lot of interviews when Ky and steve nash was hired and they were saying he's obviously going to go through these hiccups because he's a first-time coach he's learning how to you know implement himself in this new space correct and they're fully open to it and they want to help him and and he obviously they know he wants to help them so just having that kind of support should make him feel more confident when he's making his decisions we know how he makes decisions on the court, but it's interesting to see his kind of thought process, I guess, strategizing moving forward or throughout the games, especially fourth quarter when he's just on the sidelines. Right. So it's been interesting to see. Totally, I agree.
0: Yeah, from Nash, you know, I, I think he he caught a lot of flack early on the season. You know, I feel like Nets, you know, they had they had a couple of bad losses, and Nets fans are already coming out to pitchforks. But uh, I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think that over this you know however 31 games he hasn't been perfect but i do think he's shown flexibility which is always a, a great attribute to have as a coach you know i i know that early in the season i'm watching some of those nets games and bruce brown wasn't getting any minutes and i'm and they're, they're playing chris chiosa oh, and i'm yep. sitting there i'm saying like, they get I, when they made the bruce brown acquisition in the offseason i was like this is a, a decent piece you know this like kind of adds a factor that they don't really have and bruce brown wasn't playing a lot christian was getting the minutes and it was weird like I, I didn't really understand why, but he wasn't stuck in his ways and clearly he maybe saw something practice I don't know maybe he talked to his staff but now Christo is not playing and Bruce Brown's a starter when uh they don't have the big three and they're really using him in a, u- a unique way and like this this makeshift like center almost where he's flashing the middle on offense you know he's crashing the boards and he just kind of gives them an element that they, they didn't really have so
1: it's right, good to like right. not
0: be stuck in your ways, and maybe he wasn't that high on Bruce Brownler in the season, but he's able to adapt, so that's always good. Like you know, that, uh, right. not to really everything to the Knicks, but even though Tibbs has been great this year for our team, that probably would be Phil and I's one criticism is sometimes it does seem like he's a little hard headed. So I don't see yeah, it, right, right. I don't see any of that with Nash. It seems like he's very open to changing, and he's not going to be his ego is not going to get in the way, which is incredibly important for a head coach. Um, one thing that, That's yeah, true. one thing with Steve, I don't, and I usually don't like to get too much into this kind of stuff. Cause I think it's like stupid, but I've never seen a less animated coach Sean. I, I don't oh, I mean, man. like, and I, 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 You're not I usually getting. don't like to do that because I don't yelling and making a fuss like equals being a good coach. Like those aren't exactly correlated, but man, Sean, he seems like, I don't know. And listen, I, I think he's done a fine job, but It just seems like he's very calm. And I know that's okay for now, but at some point I'd like to see a little fire. And I know that's not Steve as a person. He's not like a super loud, even as a player. Like, you know, he's a hard notes competitor, but he was never like a loud guy. So I get it. Like, that's not entirely him, but I'd like to see a little fire sometimes. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, I'll be honest.
2: Sometimes I'm screaming at my TV and I'm just like, get a textual. Get a technical, you know. It, sometimes it just, you know, when you when you show emotion, it gets your team more yeah. aggressive and more energized mm-hmm. too, you know. And that's something um, that Dibbs has. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. You know, Thibs, Thibs Thibs. You know yeah. Thibs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he he brings it. You know he he feels like he's it's right. Like he's playing
0: he, on the sideline. I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And the thing the thing about Nash that is you know that I always thought was that he's a he's a very unique guy. So. If you think about it, in his playing days, he never he, he didn't really show that much emotion in his playing days no. either. He would really just strategize and like think and like use other. It's like he's doing math in his head. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. To like, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like he's in his own mind and he's like talking to himself for the next play or the next timeout. I think he watches the game and he and he's learning on the fly himself and he's teaching himself because he's that smart. Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, like yeah. you know, and I feel like I feel like the emotion isn't there yet until, uh, the game from the coaching sideline really, uh, takes place. Like he's he's still transforming. Mm-hmm. So when uh, when he transforms fully, I think you're gonna see a little more emotion. I'm I'm tired of the clapping hands too and giving guys high fives at halftime. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I think Yash is a very cerebral basketball mind because. you know it looks like not much is going on but there's a there's a lot going in behind his head like just oh yeah every like the inner workings he he picks up on those little things between like pick and rolls and i mean he's done it before so he knows what he's talking about for sure uh i think that's exactly what's going on here with steve
2: nash on the sideline but uh hopefully that fire comes out sooner or later
0: yeah absolutely you know like listen it's not the i'm not i'm not telling him he has to change who he is as a person but uh we see teams kind of take on the personality of the coaches sometimes. And uh, this is kind of like a chill team, honestly. Like, you know, Durant's yeah. not a, a super loud guy like Kyrie. I know he likes to talk, but he's not like loud per yeah. se. Hard like this. It's a very just kind of go about your business type of team. And maybe that's the kind of thing that'll work. But uh, I do think that the coach should kind of sometimes be like a rallier, which uh, we still have to see. But I think as he gets comfortable, we'll probably see a little bit more of that come out. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah, or the ability to sorry, or the ability to instill urgency. For sure. yeah. Like mm-hmm. yeah. We haven't
1: really seen that from him. Obviously Kevin Durant, Kyrie and James Harden could do that for themselves, but I who knows if they can do that for everyone else on the team, especially the guys on the bench when they're playing. So when Stephen Nash is pulling in someone off the bench, like are they gonna feel like the urgency that they need to in like a close game? So that'll be something I think we'll see as he goes on into the next season as well as the rest of this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, that's enough Steve talk. Let's talk about the players. So we got, all right. So Sean, before, let's preface it with this. Phil and I, before the season, we picked the Nets to make the NBA finals. And this was before Harden trade. You know, I thought that they wow. had more than enough before the Harden trade to win the East. I liked their balance. I liked their second unit. I thought Jared Allen was one of the most underrated players in the league. And uh, I thought they played pretty well from what I saw before the Harden trade, you know, even though they did have some bad losses, like when it looked good, it looked pretty good. It made the hardened trade. And this offense is just, I mean, it's, it speaks for itself. Like no, it, no Kevin Durant and their, their sleepwalk into 110, you know, like they, there's just no stopping this team. They don't, right. they don't really have a week unless you want to, and tell me if I'm wrong because you're the net, you know, you watch them a little more closely than I do. It doesn't seem like they have a glaring hole on offense. But let's just talk whole team holistically, Sean. Like, what concerns you the most? And and listen, again, like, I don't want to – when I say concern, I don't make it seem like they're going to fall. Like, this team is going to be good. You know, they're going to be one of those final teams left. But the goal is to win the title. You know, anything short is, I think, like a failure, honestly. I I don't think that's – I don't think that's harsh to say, you know, when you have these – Three guys, like you of titles what you want <laughs> nothing short, so like what concerns you when that is the the goal n b a championship what mm-hmm. do you think could hold you back from that well, the thing holding us
2: back when I say us, obviously
0: I say oh, us oh a lot go go place, us that, Me, the Knicks the <laughs> and I are we, we have a hive mind at this point so. <laughs> we're one yeah. in
2: the same. I hear you. Um, No, I think it's just uh, because if these guys go cold from three, you live and die by Mm -hmm. it, right? Pretty much. I mean, they take way too many threes for my liking. When I'm watching the game, I like to see, you know, last night, for instance, uh, the driving kick game was immaculate. It was immaculate. Um, You know, finding shooters off the drive is just pure basketball for me um joe harris if he gets good looks this team is you know even tlc he, he was what he had five threes last yeah. night Landy sham is coming around yeah. it, it, you know but I, I i hate the settling for the dribble dribble step back jump shot that is i i know they're capable of it but there's you can get that shot anytime as you know if any of you guys play basketball i played basketball myself for several years you know that's what coaches say you can get that shot anytime mm-hmm. and go back to the huddle, yeah. you know? You right. want to work the defense, you know? Get the guys working. Let them, let them guard you, you know? Because guess what? You can't guard Kyrie. You can't guard James. You can't guard KD. And that's just reality. And I'll be honest. If the spacing's there, they're going to be very hard to beat. Because if those shooters are open, they're going to knock them down. However, another glaring issue is our finishing at the rim mm-hmm. from guys that are mm-hmm. seven foot mm-hmm. and Deandre Jordan. Is, seems like our only big man. And that's going to come down to the wire for making a decision on what they want to do. I know with this talks about Andre German, you know, who knows, Blake Griffin might be getting bought out too, but uh, you need, you need a guy that can make a layup over another seven footer, mm-hmm. you know, and, what scares me is Joel Embiid, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Anthony Davis, you know, guys that are going to bring it every night and they're offensively great players too. And they can defend too. Um, That's, that's a glaring issue for me uh, to contend and win a title. Can they get there? Yeah. But you know what, when you get there, you want to win. Yeah. You know, it's so like, like you said, if it's, if it's, it's pretty much finals or bust, which I agree with. However, they have to make the necessary moves to put the cherry on top, basically. So it's it's spacing. It's uh, the seven foot guy making a layup in crunch time, and it's also the big three not settle. Uh, excuse me, the big three settling for every time down shots that they can take consistently. So if they're moving the ball, they're getting to the rim, they're knocking down their shots, and you got an aggressive big man in there running the floor, making layups, blocking the shot on defense, rebounding too, they're going to be very hard to beat. Can they do that consistently? I hope so, but they need to make a move for that cherry on top for the whole ice cream Sunday for me to enjoy, you know?
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah. you make a good point about the offense, and uh, before I let you kind of talk about the what, what you're seeing, Phil, but uh, I, I tweeted last night, like, even in the first quarter, like, the Nets the kind of took a little bit to get going, and I, yes. I, tweeted, I tweeted, like, this team could just ISO their way to a to a solid offense. You know, like, they don't even – I saw that, yes. Like, yeah, I, saw I was laughing at that, yeah. They're so good that they just don't even need to do those things that, like, traditionally would lead to a good offense if that makes sense you know like the way the utah jazz are killing it right now like we know how they're yeah. going to do it you know it's it's going to be spread it's going to be dribble drive kick you know spray out to the shooters but the nets have so much offensive firepower individually that like they could just not even be in a good groove but like james and kyrie and obviously durant like th- again that's the greatest part of between this kevin not even playing but you know when you have two guys like that like you can just have those guys just individually carry you to like a fine offense so but it it's true it's it's important to not fall into that trap because although you can definitely get to that like this team can be so much better if they play the right way so I, I definitely feel you on that idea Phil what are you seeing with the Nets offense I mean like there's not much to complain about but uh that's an interesting point
1: yeah, no, I mean, there's not much to complain about, as you were just saying, but I think it's interesting when there's, like, specifically, or you can definitely tell when there's Dan Tony is kind of running the lineup. We saw it when Kevin Durant was around, and it was, like, him and Kyrie were in one unit, and then it was James Harden, Jeff Green, uh, who else? What's his name? Uh, Joe Harris and, I don't know, either TLC or Bruce Brown. And it's, I think it's interesting. I'm kind of starting to see Bruce Brown, like, theoretically – take on the pj tucker role at least until they can get another big in d'antoni's eyes at least mm. so it's interesting to see how they can keep that going because when mm-hmm. hardens on when he kind of runs his own iso or solo um unit it's the bench it's probably five guys jeff green's probably the tallest something like houston and mm-hmm. they're all just switchable and it's all just kind of essentially what you're doing in houston with a better shooter in joe harris Jeff Green's still there. And I don't know. I mean, the, the pieces are kind of interchangeable after that. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: it Yeah, the the Bruce Brown element's interesting. Uh, like, the three-point shot's still kind of – it's not really something you want to rely on. So, like, right. they, they, they kind of use him as a de facto center. Like, kind of like P.J. Tucker, definitely. But uh, I'm also kind of seeing, like, the way that Houston used Westbrook almost last year. Obviously, he's not nearly as dynamic as Westbrook. But the way that Westbrook was kind of their de facto center on offense uh, until he started just taking threes and breaking them, but like the way he would flash in the mid, kind of their like right. energy energy guy crashing yeah. all over the place. Uh, so I, I like the way they've used him for sure. But yeah, we'll see. You know, like offensively, there's not too much you could. Complain about, and I think they'll be fine. Um, I got I got to shift the defense here, though, for a second. Uh, so last night, the Nets come out and they stuck James Harden on Marcus Shaw. I don't know if you noticed that, Sean, but coming out early game, yes, I yeah, do. Harden's guarding Marcus and I think that's an interesting. Tactic and it makes sense because they're saying essentially, listen, Harden in itself is a pretty solid post defender. We don't really want to stick him on any any of your mm-hmm. guards, And if you want to try to support that mismatch, match and you want, and you as Lakers with LeBron James want to try to beat us with Marcus Gasol post ups, have at it.
1: Yeah, so that'll be work. <laughs> uh,
0: the thing with that is the Lakers will usually have a guy named Anthony Davis who probably is oh, yeah. a little more <laughs> dangerous than Marcus Gasol. I don't know. That's just. That, that's that's my gut feeling, and a little more savvy, in yeah, the post. just a little bit better.
2: I hope I hope everyone would agree with you on that one.
0: <laughs> you know, and 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 there's gonna be other guys, other you know post players that you're gonna have to deal with that you can't just stick James Harden on. You know, obviously we mentioned Joel Embiid, um, Giannis isn't really a post player, but like I mean, he's a different animal all himself. So, and like DeAndre Jordan is gonna be your starter, regardless. He's gonna be your starting lineup most likely. He's going to get the assignment early on. Um, Like, I don't love the matchup, but like, it is what it is. I I mean, how worried are you with those kind of teams? Because listen, like those teams aren't going to be able to guard the Nets. Like, you know, you're you're just not, they're not going to have the matchups, but you you know, like we kind of saw with Houston last year, and listen, the Nets and the Rockets are completely different animals. Like the Nets has so much more talent. So I'm not going to say that they're the same teams because they're not, like we like the idea of PJ Tucker guarding Anthony Davis last year and it works for a game. And then we were like, Oh, this isn't sustainable. And even the Nets, like they don't even have somebody like PJ Tucker really. I mean, they have DeAndre Jordan, but they don't really have that switchable strong like power forward that they can stick on big guys and, you know, maybe give them a chance. Like where's your concern level with their, their post defense when it comes to some of those stars that they'll most likely have to face.
2: Right, so my concern level is pretty high with that issue. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say this. I will say this, though. Um, De- DeAndre Jordan, when he is locked in and ready to play, he can really turn it on. And if, if he can give you a good 10 to 15 or, you know, a 8 to 10-minute spurt, of defense down the stretch Will take it Because when he, when he provides it It's great, I believe I don't think he's that bad defensively When he locks in mm. However, you mentioned that You know, a strong power forward That, you know, we don't really have On the team either that can You know, match up with a bigger body mm-hmm. It's not Jeff Green Even though he's playing very, very good For the league minimum And uh, I appreciate Jeff for signing the Nets, Mm. signing to the Nets. Uh, I can't thank him enough for that. Um, But there's one guy that we haven't really seen yet, um, and it's Nick Claxton. Mm. Um, He is a very young, athletic big who can do a lot of things, and everyone is anticipating on my side of the world, the Nets world, for his Coming out party, basically, because we need him bad because he could run the floor. He's athletic. He's very long, big wingspan. Um, can he guard guys? I don't know because we haven't seen it. We only seen him in garbage time sometimes last year and the year before, I think. Um, yeah, so we don't really have a good sample size of Nick. Mm. But with the talent level we have and for him to hear it from Kevin Durant. And, you know, I, honestly, I, I'll tell you something. If Kevin Durant's looking me in the eyes and telling me we need you, guess what I'm doing? I'm giving 150 <laughs> to play some kind of defense or make a play, something. Yeah, something. Yeah. And uh, at, at, you know, because young guys still look at Kevin Durant as, wow, I'm playing with KD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you know, KD one of the best in the league, obviously. But being his teammate's got to be something. Uh, but yeah, I think Nick Claxton returning. And b- being healthy could really change the landscape of this team uh, just based off his athletic ability and his size and uh, doing a lot more things than DeAndre can do. Uh, and like I mentioned before, the buyout market, can can Andre Drummond guard somebody? I don't know. Has he played with this kind of talent level? Not really, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. The drum- it, <laughs> we, 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 we can get him locked in too, possibly. But... It's a it's it's a high level of concern because I think Embiid, when locked in, is one of the top players in the league. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he's kind of unstoppable when he gets going. And I'll tell you something: Ben Simmons has something for the Nets, and he kills us every time he plays us. So I'm not looking forward to you know a matchup like that if we're playing lazy per se. Mm-hmm. But you're right; I don't think the Sixers have a chance at guarding James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, yeah. but. Can they stay in the game? Absolutely. Phil, where are you at with the Nets defensively?
1: Uh, You guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's pretty much just what's going to happen with the buyout market. We've talked about it before, and we don't know exactly what the buyout market could be. We think it's become like an overhyped thing ever since like that year of 2016 free agency So who knows what's going to actually happen, especially when like the big name is really going to be Andre Drummond. Do the Cavs just – sit on it and wait because realistically people are going to eventually come around to trading at least something some kind of ass, asset to them so mm. i don't know it'll I be remember. interesting to see how that unfolds yeah
2: yep yeah it's gonna it, it's gonna be something i'm sorry i cut you off but no worries uh, I, i'll tell you something I, I could see somebody trading trading an asset or, or two for Andre Drummond as well. I don't think he – when I talk about Andre Drummond here, I don't think he's a lock for the Nets. I think he might be if he gets his buyout, and that's the only reason. I don't think the Nets are going to give an asset to trade for Andre Drummond f- for his, the way he's getting paid right now also. But I think someone will, uh, and I think that's that someone might be uh, maybe Boston.
0: Yeah. I can see
2: him there for sure because – I'll be honest; they're struggling a little bit there. Oh yeah, yeah. Boston, yeah. Boston has and not been mentioned interesting.
1: For a <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I also, I just quick thing. I thought it was interesting you talked about Blake Griffin in the buyout market before. Yeah. Do you think that that would really push you guys over the top, or would like something? Because he's at least from what we've seen, who knows? He may just be pulling a hard, in. he looks like he's really lost a step this year, and it's tremendously <clears throat> affecting how he's able to play.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. Um, to I'll be honest, too. I think Blake is at the point of his career where um, he's had a lot of injuries that nagged him, that he's lost some explosiveness, obviously. Uh, we know what Blake Griffin is was capable of doing um, with his days in, you know, Lob City and everything like that with the Clippers. However, I think what he can provide is a presence because, guys, I don't know if uh, – Blake Griffin's still a strong individual, you know? Yeah. And I think a body like that and his versatility of catching the ball and facing the basket and making a play, he could still do. You know, he, he still has a pretty decent jump shot. Um, he could set a screen. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we're talking about spurts and, you know, giving a team some energy and making a play and just having those, like, momentum shifters, as they say, um i think Blake Griffin can do uh a good job here in uh on a Brooklyn roster. However, is he available? No one knows yet. We're going to have to take some time towards the deadline see what happens. Uh but i would like to see that too. Uh you know, i'm i'm here for anybody honestly. That could be a presence in the middle to help DeAndre uh Claxton and let's not forget that uh you know, who knows? Maybe you know, to poke some fun, maybe Amari Stoddermy <laughs> again. you know, you never know.
1: Little player coach action. Oh man, how fun
0: would
2: that yeah. be? But no, on a serious note. I think, I think Blake Griffin would be yeah. uh, a delight, honestly, because him too, he, he would like to get some competitive juices going too. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And who knows that could really change his, you know, he could lock in as you guys were talking about before. And if he's locked in, that could be a very interesting Blake Griffin.
2: Oh yeah, I agree. But, uh, We'll
0: we'll cross out cross our bridges when we get yeah. there, you know? We'll see. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point, Blake. Actually, I, I think he honestly makes more sense than Drummond. Because Drummond for me is giving you stuff that you just don't need. I'm I'm not a Drummond fan. I'll I'll put it out there. You know, and I, I think that a lot of his game is predicated on post touches. Uh, defensively, he's pretty eh. I mean, nothing that really inspires you. He's not gonna stretch the floor. Right he's kind of giving you like deandre type stuff except he wants more touches and i honestly think he's less of a vertical threat i think you know you you talked earlier about hard and helping deandre like deandre his offense predicated on pick and roll like vertical threat you know oh, that's yes. what he hits like he's yes. uh, he still is despite his old age like he gets up there and he can if, if you oh, come yeah. up on the ball handler and james is honestly one of the best lob throwers ever like i honestly think that you know he's always been just amazing at getting his big guys easy lobs off of pick and rolls and he's done wonders for DeAndre you know like DeAndre kind of needed yeah. a player like that Kyrie although he's great and he does all kinds of amazing things for you like he's not really that type of pick and roll distributor like James is so Harden's been right. really helping DeAndre and like Drummond's not really giving you that he's not really that kind of pick and roll threat off of the dive so I, I'd rather just honestly give those missed to DeAndre uh blake is a guy though that i can see you kind of putting in and playing kind of the way marcus stall is the lakers in the sense that he's a great distributor like blake is a great passer underrated and his shot is not amazing but it gets the job done i think he can be like a stretch board type of player so if he comes in and he's committed to okay blake You're coming in. We're not giving you post-touches, all right? We're not giving you mid-range face-ups, all right? You're getting less than 10 shots a game. But we need you to make open threes. We need you to work out of the high post as, like, a passer, try to get some off-ball action for, you know, the big three, Katie and Kyrie mostly, because I think they're more uh, dangerous off-ball shooters. Defensively, we need you to kind of hunker down and guard some of our bigger dudes. Like, that's what you – you know, if he comes in and commits to that, then uh, I think it'd actually be pretty helpful that's uh, an interesting idea I haven't really thought about
2: yeah I, I think you're spot on there and uh, honestly I think he could be I mean I, I know you say you don't want it to get post touches or you know face ups to the rim but I'll tell you something if he if he could play with a you know a second unit yeah. and just just like like I said give those momentum shifters and like all of a sudden he had two jump shots in a row and, like, the Nets are up six going into the fourth quarter and he then takes his seat, um, yeah, let, let's let's do it. And, you know, but like you said, if, if he can op- open and spread the floor, be that stretch four, which, man, the Nets really have been searching for for a very long, long time, um, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, I do like Blake Griffin as a player, and I think he's a better fit for what the, you know, the Nets need. But everyone sees Andre Drummond and thinks, oh, rebounder. We need a rebounder. That's all they want on Andre Drummond for. Like when you see, oh, it's a perfect fit, it's only for his rebounding I agree with you. He's not very good defensively, um, on athletic type bigs. Um, he needs he needs the ball in his hands on offense. He's not really, you know, like I think I saw a couple of articles say that he can have a, a 20 and 20 game and not have a have an effect on the game. Which is the truest thing I've probably ever read on Twitter. Yeah. Honestly, for about a player. And it's a hundred percent right. Uh, Nets fans see Andre and just say rebounder. That's that's I'll, I'll be honest, that's all we that's all we want him for, is just to board up and just outlet yeah. it to somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, I like the Blake Griffin fit a lot more than uh Andre. I just never actually thought it would
1: happen. Yeah, that's an interesting uh perspective I,
0: I haven't looked at it like that before so hey, and a good in concept but I mean I don't know Dude, like the, the first time that Andre gets doubled and doesn't see anybody because he's legitimately the worst in for NBA like honestly I actually think that yeah and uh, the second he gets doubled in the post and Katie's out there with his hands up and Kyrie's in the opposite corner with his hands up and he throws up a brick off the backboard trust me you're not going to want him as much but that <laughs> oh no it's yeah right but, exactly that's where I'm out with the Nets um all right. Yeah, man. A uh, lot of, a lot of stuff right there. Like there's, there's a lot to dive into the nets. Like Phil, you got got any last thoughts on this team? I mean, like, I, sh- yeah, I, sh- I, I feel like, one, this- yeah.
1: One little closer just with this season right now, it's looking good. Pro- very promising. I do want to talk about for a second, just next season, like your thoughts, basically everything's going to congeal together. Everyone's going to get into a rhythm. Basically they're going to run back the unit they have this year, except their mm-hmm. bench unit is going to be a lot stronger with Dinwiddie coming back from an ACL. So where does yeah. that kind of gauge like how what's your excitement at for that?
2: Uh, for next season, I think the next season I'm actually very excited for. I think I'm more excited about the possibilities of who can they add and just bring Dinwiddie back. That would obviously he would have to get paid to stay, and with the bird rights, obviously, and the whole NBA contractually, you know how it works. Uh, but yeah, having another bowl handler like. Spencer, and just if you think about it, just saying these couple names here, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. It's kind of scary on paper um, without actually playing together uh, recently. Um But, yeah, very excited. And hopefully, you know, uh, do I dare say this? I'm going to look over my shoulder. Hopefully we can repeat as you know what. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's very exciting. But I'm very confident in the way this team is uh, progressing. Yeah, and I yeah. like it a lot. You know, and, I definitely. Uh, I, yeah, sorry. No, no. I just, I just hope it stays because you know, it's. You know, you you have in your back of your mind, you're like, you know, this team is really gelling. They're playing well. Do they have enough juice to keep it going?
1: Right. Yeah, I just think whoever wins this year, whether it be the Nets, they're probably maybe repeating next year, or whether it be the Clippers or Lakers, whoever comes out of the West, Mm -hmm. if they win this year, they got to look over their shoulder and be like, we're not out of the woods yet. Like, it's not a clear path next year. Things are getting significantly harder, I would say.
2: Oh, yeah, I agree with that fully, fully.
0: Fully. Yeah, and so much of Uh, next year is going to be – kind of framed based on this year you know like we we kind of saw it yeah, I, yes. I think there's so many parallels obviously and the, the Harden thing kind of changed things but i think there's so many parallels between this year's and not to like put a bad omen on the nets but just in the way that things kind of came together uh last year's clippers and this year's nets where they had a foundation and then brought in two stars and like there's all these expectations and uh much differently we're looking at the Clippers this year if they won the title last year and uh, obviously things didn't work You're but right. like now there's so much pressure on them and so many expectations yeah. now people all of a sudden are are thinking about Kawhi leaving and like you know all these things that come into your mind that we weren't really considering last year because they just seem so inevitable as a great team and right now the Nets look great too but you yeah. know so much of what we how we view this team next year is going to be shaped based on how this postseason turns out. But it's a it's an incredibly exciting time for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, uh, I, I me listen, I can't lie, I'm not rooting for the Nets. All right, still a little salty, but at the end of the day, okay, I'm happy for Nets fans, and I. I, I hate when people say like the Nets don't have any fans. The Nets have fans. All right, I've talked Nets fans. All right, they like their Nets. <laughs> Thanks, like the Nets, I appreciate that. You know, I've I've been to Barclays. It's a nice place to watch a game, and uh, Brooklyn's cool. Brooklyn, it's, it's it's a cool little team, and uh, we'll see what happens. But it's it's exciting, and it's definitely going to be a, a roller coaster year. I'm sure there will be ups and downs, but. We'll have to get t- together at the end and talk about it again, Sean. Um, before I go, I'll let you kind of like oh, yeah. plug your Twitter and uh, what else, whatever you're doing. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I just want to say, uh, Nate, Phil, uh, appreciate you have you guys having me on and talking like this. And you know, it's an experience to me every time. You know, I speak with other fans and other you know podcasters like yourselves. Um, and I hope you know we can do it again. And obviously talk about both teams too because I'll be honest with you guys um I watch the Knicks too and I think the Knicks you know I don't hate the Knicks I don't hate Knicks fans um and uh you know it's it, everyone knows that we can coexist right we can talk basketball yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah for sure. everyone listening yeah. here you know like let, let's let's be grown men here and like have a good time like bounce bounce things off each other because I'll be honest the Knicks are looking uh a little like the rebuilt nets, you know, you know, young kids. I didn't want to go there
1: before, but I was thinking no, yeah, the same thing. We can.
2: Yeah, it's, it's true, man. It's true. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, they're, they're a little spark plug when I watch them, you know, Julius Randle's having a hell of a year. I hope he makes the all-star team for you guys. Honestly. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it's good to see they're doing it the right way. And, uh, you know, just compliment you guys on that. You know, you got a, you got a nice little team there. Hopefully RJ Barrett keeps playing well. Uh. And hopefully, you know, when things come together, we could start uh, uh, IQ floats in Madison Square Garden with a little vanilla ice cream start,
0: you know? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the Knicks definitely, it seems like they're <laughs> finally doing it the right way, which is what you said, which is there's no other way to put it. Let's, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, we're not going to be in a title contender anytime soon. But uh, so continue to build the right way, make good decisions as a front office, and things will probably shake your way, just like the Nets. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are. All right, follow Sean on Twitter at BKN underscore says. He's got a great account. He live tweeting every Nets game, and he really knows his stuff, so give him a follow. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, good, good stuff. Yep, and other, than, uh, appreciate other that. than that, Nate with my podcast, Phil. Follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Listen to our podcast on all platforms. Check us out on YouTube, Hoopscoop. I'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.